Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message in our current In the Word series as we journey through the book of Colossians. Let's take a listen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you, Chester Mountain. Colossians 3, if you have your Bible, go with me there. I'm excited about this morning and nervous all at the same time. Because when we get faced with the Word of God we have two choices. We have the choice of we can just act like we like it and act like we're gonna do something with it and then leave here and let it not affect us. Or we have the option of submitting to it and letting it radically change our lives. And that's the option every time that you come to the word is allowing it either to wreck you in the best way possible in submission to God or to let it just go in one ear and out the other. My prayer for you today is that you would allow it to wreck you and that you would allow it to become the greatest pleasure of your life because it's the word and it's how we get to know God. And so Colossians 3, 22, and we're gonna go into verse one. We're gonna spend majority of our time really on 22 through 24. And I've loved this series because I love just allowing the word of God to be preached and allowing it to drive the narrative of what we get to talk about. So 22, I'm in the New American Standard version this morning and says this. Slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that we would leave here today different. Not for the acceptance of those around us, but we would do it because we have come face to face with you. So God, use your word to change us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray, amen. So we gotta do something with the word. And we got to do something with what the word teaches us. And I'm going to be honest, when I first got this text and saw where we were going and where Brian stopped last week, I was like, come on. But we got to do something with scripture and this word slaves. And what I want to do is we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but we have to understand what the Bible's teaching. And we have to always come to the word of God knowing this. The word of God cannot mean for me what it did not mean for the original audience. 
That is a lesson in scripture. And when you read your Bible, it cannot mean for you what it did not mean for the original audience. And so when we think of slavery and the wickedness and the horribleness of what slavery is, in our minds, we usually think of what happened in the 17th to 19th century. We think of the African slave trade and and the horrendous, awful history that that is for our nation. And when we come to the Bible, we have to understand it is a little bit different than what was happening in the first century in Colossae. They weren't, they weren't going to a foreign land and, and enslaving men and women and bringing them over to work for them. Slaves could be anyone and everyone in the first century. His, historians would say that if you walked into a city like Colossae, or when you get to, you read, we're gonna read in Ephesus, really what Paul's saying, the same thing here, is about one third of the population would have been slaves. And this word slaves in the Greek is doulos, which means bondservant. And for some cases, not all cases, but some cases, it was when someone would sell themselves into slavery or come under the authority of a master to either pay off a debt or to get money to buy their freedom. And then sometimes, even after they were considered free, they would stay and work for that master. Some cases, there's still horrific things, but what we have to understand is Paul, what we want Paul to do in this moment is to come and, and uh, crush this idea of slavery. And what he's going to do, because he's writing to Christians, he's telling them, because slaves would have been an integral part of the household, So he's talking to them of what it looks like to work and be a part of the household that they are for the glory of God. Because it was this massive construct in Roman, uh, in the Roman empire that if you go read like the book of Philemon, uh, where Paul is writing to a master about a, one of his slaves that had escaped got saved and is going back in the reconciliation. And Paul is mostly concerned about the name of Jesus being made famous and not abolishing this horrible construct. So we have to understand that it is not condoning or approving. It is going forth saying, this is what we want to do with our lives. We wanna make much of Jesus, which is tough, especially in 2021. But I wanna look at this passage and see how does it apply to us? What, how, what, how can we take the truth of what scripture is saying, even though it wasn't written directly to us, it is beneficial for us. And how does it apply to us? And I want you to hear this. We are called, those that have given their life, surrendered to Jesus, we are all called to work or serve for an audience of one. That is your mission in life is to, you give your life over to one, God. Not for the acceptance and approval of everyone in this room, not for the acceptance and approval of your family, your, your boss, it is for one. So we're gonna talk about it this way. If you're a note taker or type A, I got three points for you. I'm just carrying over, Jared did it, I felt motivated and we're going with it. Speaking of motivated, first point, we're gonna talk about the motivation, the how, and the reward of what it looks like to serve and work for an audience of one. See, this is a passage that is really echoed out of Ephesians 6, 
where Paul's addressing the same situation. He says this in Ephesians 6, 5 and 9. It says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as slaves to Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord, not to people, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive back this from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters do the same thing, same things to them, giving, give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. There's no partiality with him. It's almost like a copy and paste. What I love about scripture is it's consistent. And that's a beautiful thing. You don't have to wonder about the wavering of what should I do? What should I not do with this? You can submit to this. And what I want us to see is there's a clear thing that Paul is wanting us to see here. How you work, how you serve, it matters. The intention that you do it with matters. And the motivation matters for why you do it. So the first point I want you to see, your motivation. Why you're motivated to work for God, you're motivated to serve the church and serve for God is you have an audience of one. Simple. Your motivation is you have an audience of one. This is a, I'll never forget being told um, by a guy that when he first started leading worship and was super nervous about it, his dad pulled him aside and was just like, what are you so worried about? Everyone in that room, it's not for them. You're getting to get to stand on a stage and lead them because you have an audience of one. When I get up here, even though I get nervous every time, pit at my stomach, feel nauseous, that kind of stuff, it's, be, and it's because I want you to like me. It's funny, but it's a, I wasn't even trying to make a joke. That's awesome. I was trying to be sincere. I want you to like me. By the end of the day, I'm not called to be just faithful to you. I'm called to be faithful to God. And hopefully in being faithful to God, I'll be faithful to you. Which means I might say something you don't like. I get to say a lot of things I don't like. Because the beauty of this is I have to submit to this before I can ever ask you to submit to it. And that's hard. That's hard. You threw me off with laughing at a joke that wasn't a joke. <laughs> Once you see this, in verse 22 of Colossians 3, slaves, obey those who are your human masters in everything. I want you to see this. Obey. For you, you, you have a job, you have some kind of authority in your life. The option for you, what God has called you to do, is to obey, to, be, to submit. And I love that idea of submitting because a lot of times when we submit, it's because we don't want to do it. Right? Submission is not always a fun, exciting thing to do. But you are called to be obedient to them because in being obedient to the authority that God has placed in your life, you're obedient to God. Obedience always marks the Christian will always mark the Christian. It's not just for certain Christians to be obedient. If you have surrendered to Jesus and said, I'm a follower of Christ, you are called to be obedient to all that Christ asks of you. What I love what God's doing in this place and what we've got to see over the last few months is tons of new life change. 
And you have to understand whatever the word of God says for you and tells you to do, you must do it. Not because you have to have this begrudging submission where you're just like, I don't want to do it, but I have to do it. And I'm mad at God about it. No, no, no. You do it because you understand that this is where joy is found. We have this weird idea in the American church that I can just come on a Sunday or Wednesday and listen to someone talk about Jesus for a while, amen them, raise my hands and worship and leave and nothing ever change. That I don't actually have to represent Jesus in my work because I don't work for the church. I have a secular job, I do these things. No, 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 you have one of the most important mission fields. I get to work with all Christians, hopefully. You get to represent Jesus where you're at. And so you are to be obedient, even when your boss tells you to do something you don't want to do, as long as it doesn't go against what Christ has commanded of you. But then he goes into this. Be obedient in everything, not with eye service as people pleasers. This is a tough one, right? Because when Jordan in this room, we do want people to like us. Even if you're like, no, I'm okay if everyone doesn't like me. I kind of like making people mad. I have a little bit of that in me, but at the end of the day, I still want you to like me. I still want you to like approve of me. But the danger in that is if I'm more concerned about what you think of me and what I say and how you perceive me, then I will never teach this the way that it's meant to be taught. Like, think about it. What if I got up here and Jared and Brian were sitting down in the front row. And I, I, every time I said something, I was kind of like, you agree? No, okay. And then I said another thing and I was like, what do you think? That didn't offend you too much, did it? You agree? Like, no, no, no. I've been called to be faithful to God in all of my work. And the same thing's for you. You've been called. Like I think of it like if I, if I played a game, like let's say I played uh, basketball. I don't because look at me. And just the reality. And, but I, like, let's say I, on the other side of the court or on the other team was like my best friend. And I wanted them not to be mad at me because I didn't want to beat them and this kind of thing. So like, if I stole the ball from them, I was just like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I want you to have that. This is the reality. When we start getting into this thing, it's like we, we don't want anyone to dislike us and we want people to approve of us. And we want no matter who they are, what they think about us, that is the most important thing. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that they find pleasure in my actions. See, if we're honest, I think all of us in the room have that little bit in us where we want people to accept us and approve of us. But I want us to see what scripture says. Galatians 1.10 says, for I, Paul saying, for, I am now, for am I now seeking the favor of people or of God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a bondservant or slave of Christ. If I, this was my goal in life, if it was to please people, I could never submit fully to Christ. We do get that it ends horribly for all the disciples in the first century. Majority of them were martyred for their faith, murdered for their faith. As history teaches us, John was boiled alive and when they couldn't kill him, they just excommunicated him. Because they were saying things that weren't acceptable to the, to the crowds around them. 
First Thessalonians 2, 4. But just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not intending to please people, but to please God who examines our hearts. Jesus says in John 5, 44, how can you believe when you accept glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? When we're more concerned with what you think of each other or what I think of you or what your boss thinks of you or what your mom and dad or whoever it is thinks of you and you're not concerned about what God does, how can you go after him? John 12, instead of this, it says, nevertheless, many, even the rulers believed in him, him being Jesus, because, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him. So they would not be excommunicated from the synagogue for they, look at, for they loved the approval of people rather than the approval of God. See, the reality is it is really easy to follow Jesus in the South in 2021. It's getting more difficult, but for the most part, it's easy. We're not concerned with someone coming through the door and dragging us out and asking us to deny Christ or be killed. There's really no cost. You're not worried about being fired. You're not worried about all this. You might be talked badly about or made fun of, but it's easy. And so we almost feel like in America, we can pursue the approval of man and the approval of God simultaneously. And scripture is telling us very clearly, you can't do both. You can't, you can't be faithful to God and faithful to other people because you will always waver on the side of being faithful first to people. But if you're faithful to God, whether they like you or not, you'll be faithful to serve them the best you can. See, our motivation matters. A guy named J.B. Lightfoot, what an awesome last name, Lightfoot, said this, it is the Christian's first duty to please the Lord. And this he can do only by diligent performance of his task, quite apart from the recognition he receives from men. Look at this. If the principle of his conduct is, pleasing, is the pleasing of men, he will neglect his duty where this motive cannot operate. If the principle of his conduct is pleasing men, he will neglect his duty where this motive cannot operate. If your heart's intentions first are to find the approval and acceptance of man, you will neglect what God has asked you to do if that is your first and foremost thing. Your motivation matters. This is where we have to be careful because you can become really popular, really accepted for doing great things for God. In, this, in the culture we live in, you become famous before what you do for God. And that can become very dangerous because it's, it's thrilling to be loved. It's thrilling to be accepted. And I'm not saying we don't honor people. We should honor people. But the motive behind why you do what you do matters. Because Paul's talking to a group of people that it could have been easy once they found out the freedom they have in Christ to just be like, forget this, I'm doing my own thing because I have freedom in Christ and neglect the obligations that they had and how they could honor and show the love of Jesus even in bondage. The same is true for us today. 
We do it for an audience of one, and if it's for the audience of many, we will always, always go for the audience of many over the audience of one. Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6 really how to combat this. It'll be on the screens. You don't have to go there if you don't want to. Matthew 6, 1 through 4 says this. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they will be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is saying, the end of the day, how we, how we show what God has done in us is we're not looking for people to be like, wow, did you see what Brandon did? Do you see how awesome he is, how he serves and loves and does all this thing? Do you see his Instagram, where he was at all week, just constantly handing out money and doing all these cool things for the Lord? Look at it, look at him. He's so excited about who he is. No, no, no. The overflow of the Christian's life when it comes to how we work and how we serve is one, we want God to get all the glory and never me. Which is tough because we do wanna be a culture of honor, a culture of, uh, of increasing and encouraging one another. So it's like this weird tension I feel of, I don't know how to accept like a compliment. Because I know the tendencies that I have that it can make me feel really incredible. It can make me feel really special and that look at, like God needs me. If you know me, God doesn't need me and it's a miracle that he uses me. But the same can be said of you. That God chooses to use us but we have to have the right motivation because if not, you will not last. So how how? Well, the how is you work and serve with intentionality. The motivation is an audience of one, Jesus, and your how is you work and serve with intentionality. Jesus is teaching this idea of being intentional with what you do, where you are intentional about making sure it's not about you, it's about Jesus. If you give and serve and do these things for God, it can't be about you. The beauty is there's a reward. We'll get to that in a second. But the reality is the heart has to be, I want Christ. That's why Paul teaches in Galatians 2.20 that he has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Paul who lives, but Christ lives through him. A new creation. And we constantly have to deny ourselves. It's a different Christianity than what a lot of times is seen and heard because it's not the most popular. But true life, life abundantly, John 10, 10, Jesus came to give you life and life abundantly is in denying what you want in your flesh and living for what Christ has for you, which means it can't be about me. It has to be about God and God alone. So we can't go after the acceptance and the applause of others. And this is how you do it in verse, tw verse 22 in chapter three. But when sincerity of heart 
fearing the Lord, not being fake. Christianity is not about faking it till you make it. Fakes will always be found out. It's about being honest with where you're at. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect and, and never you do anything for yourself or you're not serving for, there's benefits in serving and all this kind of stuff. And there's freedom in being honest with where you're at in life. Like I'm, if I'm honest with you, I will struggle with when I get home today, wondering, did this land, did they like me? Are they mad at me? Did they, are they gonna do something with it? And, and that's something I have to work on because at the end of the day, I wanna come up here and be faithful and allow the Holy Spirit to change you because I can't. But with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord, we do know that there's gonna come a day where we have to stand before God and give an account for what we've done. And I'm not trying to motivate you by fear. I'm motivating you by the beauty that God has transformed us. That is God alone by Jesus's work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, that he has given us new life and the Holy Spirit now lives in us and empowers us to go. And we have to rely on that and constantly look to that. If I woke up this morning and did not remind myself of the gospel, then it would be very easy to get up here and make much of me. But it's Christ and Christ alone. being written to Christians, we have to remember that. So verse 33, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord, not for people. Sincerity of heart with singleness of mind is what he's saying. What Christ has done on your behalf, allow that to encapsulate all that you think about. Allow that to be the motivation, the, the fuel behind what you do, that Christ has done it all on your behalf which allows us to be intentional with our work. I want us to look at this. Whatever you do, do. These two do's in the Greek are two different words. And the first one is this idea of merely doing something. And the second one is an intentional, to labor, to work. It's what I love about studying the scripture and seeing that there's so much depth to it. Paul is being intentional. Whatever you're doing, be intentional with doing it. And we, we, we like try to like isolate how we, what our uh, actions are in the Christian life. I have my Christian duties and I have my, what, my whatever I wanna do. As, we can sep- as if we can separate the Christian life. All that we do, we do for the glory of God. That's why in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Paul says this, therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. Think about that. When you go out to lunch, eat to the glory of God. Praise the Lord. When you speak to your children after church, do it to the glory of God. When you love your spouse, do it to the glory of God. When you go to work tomorrow, do it to the glory of God. It's not just come to church, do whatever we do in this room to the to the glory of God, and then I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna whatever, I'm gonna just veg out on the couch and eat potato chips and I'm gonna do that for myself. No, no, no. All that we do, do it for God. The calling on our life is much higher than I think a lot of us realize. 
And that's the beauty is God isn't just asking for a mere like words. He's asking us for our lives. Be intentional. See, when we work with intentionality, it's because we've been radically transformed by God. So this word heartily in the Greek literally means out of the soul. Out of the soul, out of the depths of who you are. The soul in the first century in the Greek's mind and the Hebrew's mind would have been the deepest part of the human. And he's saying, let it be done from the deepest part of who you are. And this happens by reflecting on what Christ has done on your behalf. It's a motivation that you've been transformed, radically transformed, made a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. By the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection that regenerates our lives. Do we get that? A lot of times we can just feel like we're beat up. But God has said, you were once this and I've made you new. You were once an orphan, I've given you a home. You did not have a name, I've given you a name. You are a son and a daughter. Allow that to be the motivation. And when that's the motivation, how you serve people, the intentionality that we go to people with the gospel changes. Because whether they accept what you say or not, it's not for you. You can have hard conversations because it's not about being approved of. It's not about being applauded. It's about serving Christ so that you can serve others well. For the Lord, not for people. And it will always, your heart will be revealed in how you serve and how you work. If it's for yourself or the approval of others, you will end up being way more concerned with what they think, their opinions, their comments, how they act around you, what they say when you're not there. But when you work for Christ, when you submit yourself to him and say, I want to make you famous, I wanna saturate the world with the good news by making disciples, that means I have to have hard conversations, I have to serve Christ first and listen to him first, and if someone doesn't accept of me, that's fine, I wanna be faithful. I wanna be intentional. Because we have to understand that some things, sometimes what is best for someone will offend and hurt. And can I just say this in 2021, just because you disagree with someone or you offend them does not mean you hate them. The sensitive like society of, if you don't agree with everything I think, then you must hate me. I have yet to find anyone that I agree with completely on anything. And that's okay. And the reality is when you're intentional in that mindset, you're not coming at them trying to like beat them over the head with this. Sometimes your intentionality and how you work is just listening to them and serving them even though you disagree with what they're asking you to do. You don't always have to just win the argument. Jesus was really quiet at times and loved those that were far from the Lord. When you read the gospels, I just challenge you, go read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He is harsh with the religious and gentle with the sinners because he was intentional. And he was working for his father, not for the approval of the religious. 
Verse 24 says, Knowing it is from the Lord that you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. I love this. Knowing it is from the Lord that you will receive the reward of the inheritance as he's speaking to people that are in bondage. Maybe they get set free, maybe they don't, but they are promised that from God they will make, have a payment. They will be compensated for their work. You know, wait a second, I don't do it for the reward. I do it because of God. That's the beauty of this. The reward is God. It's not how, like, I've, I've even said it and joke about it. When you do something, you're like, it's, I get a big mansion in heaven, a jewel on my crown. No, I get to be in the presence of God. So you, you have a motivation because you have an audience of one. The how is you work with intentionality, looking to Jesus, and your reward is life in Christ forever. This isn't a potential thing. It's not a cross our fingers and hope that there's a reward. It's a guarantee. It's throughout scripture that you will have an inheritance, co-heirs of Christ. What is Christ is yours. Paul makes it clear. For those that are in Christ Jesus, who are truly following Jesus, not just a concept, an idea of Christianity or religion, it's following the person. We, we don't just have this like construct and like history and traditions of doing certain things a certain way. We follow a person who is very much alive, who is seated at the right hand of God in authority. The work is done and we have been promised the reward. Whether you get any blessing here on earth, the greatest blessing of your life is that you can know Christ and be known by him. So he says in Ephesians 1, Paul, verse 11 through 14, in him we have also obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will. To the end, we who were the first hope in Christ will be the praise of his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him. Look at that, sealed in him. You were secured forever with the Holy Spirit of the promise, who is a first installment of our inheritance. Look at that. We've already got a piece of the inheritance. God himself in the form of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is living inside those that have surrendered to Jesus. You don't do this life alone. You have the power of God. The same power that brought Jesus up from the dead lives within us. That takes people that are useless to the world and makes them kingdom movers. in the regard to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. We are the possession of God and that is the most beautiful thing. You have an inheritance. First Peter 1, 3 and 5 says, blessed be God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. An inheritance that will not fade, 
Some of you have like have been even received an inheritance on this earth or have set up an inheritance for your kids, but money will burn. We have been given a promise, a security, an everlasting forever, never ending, always and forever. A thousand years, we won't even touch the surface. A million years, we won't touch the surface of what we will experience with our inheritance because we get to be with God. And that's what we do and that's why we serve and that's why we work with intentionality because we serve an audience of one who has promised us life in him. Life in him, joy abundantly. So the call on our lives for those in the room that have surrendered, that have trusted in Jesus, have given their lives, that follow Jesus is continue to follow him, look to him. Allow your work to be an overflow of the reality that you follow God. The God of the universe that speaks things into existence, work and serve for that audience. And that he approves of you, loves you, has called you to be his son, his daughter. And be intentional with how you serve and work with others. And you see someone, see them the way that God sees them, love them the way that God loves them, even if they don't love you or like you. Be intentional, knowing that you have a reward and that reward is in Christ. So the options this morning for you is you can listen to this and, and just let it pass you by checked off the box, you came to church, you can go you, nine o'clock, you either go to group or you get out early for lunch. You can allow it just to be whatever. Or you can allow the Holy Spirit to press you right now in this moment and be like, is my work, how I work, how I serve, how I love people, is it for the audience of one or am I ultimately wanting people to accept me first and foremost? And if you serve out of the acceptance of others and the desire for others to accept you, I wanna call you to repent and say, God, I, I want my life to be represented by you and you alone, for you and you alone. And so there's nothing magical or crazy that happens at the altar. There's something about coming down and saying, God, I wanna, I wanna submit to you and I want to make, take a step in being obedient to what you've called on me. And maybe you're in the room today and you've never trusted because you feel like God's just after like what you can do for him. But the beauty is your salvation isn't rested upon anything you can do. He did it all for you before you had ever sinned against him. And he is calling you into life abundantly. Not a second option or a second best life. It is the only life. So today I wanna to call you to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus. And I would love to show you in scripture, a team would love to show you what it looks like to follow Jesus. But all of us, will we just check our own hearts? Do we exist for an audience of one or do we exist for ourselves? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. 
So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.